Live from the Magic Castle Theater in Hollywood, the golden days of Christmas. Welcome to the Golden Days of Christmas, star-studded entertainment, featuring live, in person, some of radio's great stars and programs. And now, here is your host, Frank Brzee. Merry Christmas, ladies and gentlemen. Best wishes for the holiday season to all of you from the Armed Forces Radio and Television Service, its staff and management, and of course, from myself. We once again invite you to join us in sharing happiness and joy as we present this 25th annual Golden Days of Christmas. Each December for the past quarter of a century, we've presented some of radio's most famous personalities in person with onstage recreations of many of the popular programs of the past. And this Christmas is no exception. Our lineup features never-to-be-forgotten radio stars, and you'll meet them all in just a moment. And so, on with our 25th anniversary Christmas program for the Armed Forces. Welcome to your hit parade. Lucky Strike presents your hit parade. For the top tunes all over America this week is determined by your hit parade survey, which checks the best sellers in sheet music and phonograph records, the songs most heard on the air, the most played by the automatic coin machines. An accurate, authentic tabulation of America's taste in popular music. Your Hit Parade. Before we bring you the number one song of the week, let me remind you that quality of product is essential to continuing success. And fine tobacco is what counts in a cigarette. So smoke that smoke of fine tobacco so round, so firm, so fully packed, so free and easy on the draw. LSMFT, LSMFT. American. Number one, the song the survey finds in first place, the top tune of the week. The song that's at the very head of your hit parade, the number one song of the week. And here to sing it for you is one of the original stars of your hit parade, Miss Lena Romay. The number one song, Besame Mucho. Besame, Besame Mucho. Como si fuera esta noche la última vez Bésame, bésame mucho 
que tengo miedo perderte, perderte otra vez. Quiero tenerte muy cerca, mirarme en tus ojos, verte junto a mí. Piensa que tal vez mañana yo estaré lejos, lejos de ti. Bésame, bésame mucho. Como si fuera esta noche la última vez. Bésame, bésame mucho. Que tengo miedo perderte, perderte otra vez. Quiero tenerte muy cerca, mirarme en tus ojos. Verte junto a mí, piensa que tal vez mañana yo estaré lejos, lejos de ti. Bésame, bésame mucho, como si fuera esta noche la última vez. Bésame, bésame mucho, que tengo miedo perderte, perderte otra vez. Bésame, bésame, bésame mucho. Inviting you to listen again next Saturday night at the same time for the top tunes of the week on Your Hit Parade. Lux presents Hollywood. Lux Radio Theater, starring Sidney Miller and Sandra Gould in the heartwarming story, Blind Love. As our story opens, Daphne is in the living room of her 18th century English mansion. She is talking to her husband, Nigel. Oh, Nigel, dear, I can't believe it. My life is over, over, darling. I'm going blind, blind, you hear? Where are you? Oh, there you are. I'm going blind, blind, you hear? 
I'll never see our darling Binky grow up. Dear little thing, how much I love you. And there's Cat Cat. I shan't see her again. <laughs> oh, and we'll have to retrain our attack dog, Brutus. <laughs> now, 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 dear Brutus, you'll have to help me. <laughs> there, there. Oh, how I love you, dear Brutus. And then there's Butterfly, our dear maid. We'll have to take her out of the downstairs kitchen and put her up in the upstairs nursery to be dear little Binky's companion. <laughs> oh, Butterfly, take the baby upstairs straight away. Oh, please, Mr. Digby. Please, Mr. Digby. I don't know nothing about babies. I can't take care of babies. Oh, Mr. Mr. Digby, whatever am I to do? Oh, don't fret, Butterfly. We'll put Cicely, uh, the upstairs maid, downstairs, and put Ivan, the front door butler, upstairs, and then we'll put Vivian downstairs in the cellar, polishing silver for the upstairs dining room. <laughs> Where are you going to put me, Mr. Digby? Well, don't you see, dear? That frees you for making soul food in the kitchen cellar. Oh, he's a good man, Mr. Digby. I, I, I just knew you would make me take care of that nasty little baby Binky. What about me? I'm going blind, blind, do you hear? Oh, darling Daphne, we'll think about it tomorrow. Meanwhile, meanwhile, let's go to the stable and you ride Bluebeard and I'll ride Camille and we'll gallop off into the sunset. <laughs> Here, yes, go on, here we are. Easy, come here, easy. I'm mounting you. Giddy up, there you go, up. Oh, oh, stop it, come here, stop it. Oh, watch it, oh my God, where are you going? Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, oh where, where are you, Daphne, where are you? Here I am, darling, near the petunia patch. Oh, my God, Daphne, I think... I think I'm going blind, too. Say, where's my dog? Where's my cat? Where? Where is the baby? Where? Where? Uh, oh, you dear, dear Binky. I think I'm blind. Oh, darling, how marvelous. We'll be blind at the same time. Well, now, that's what I call togetherness. Over the years, sound effects became more realistic. Later on came the real sound effects men, and one of the best was Ray Erlenborn. And here he is, once again, giving his all. with a speed of light, a cloud of dust, and a hearty pile of silver, the Lone Ranger. Let's rein up here, Tonto. Mm, all right, masked man, before we dismount, may want to say something. What is it, Tonto? Look, in the distance, smoke. How saying goes, how? How? Well, where there's smoke, there's fire. 
We'll have to try to put it out. How? How? I don't know. If only a big wind would come along. Ooh, if big wind come along, Kimosabi. But it's not putting fire out, it's fanning fire. Fire getting bigger. Yes, Tonto. If we could wait till it looks like rain, maybe that would put the fire out. Mm, rain no good. Fire come closer. What we do now, Lone Ranger? Get out of here as fast as we can. Hi-oh, Silver! Away! Ladies and gentlemen, the makers of Tartar's Tar Gum now bring you your favorite quiz program. Yes, Tartar's Gum is made from pure tar. Chew a pack today and see if you too don't have a breath like Highway 66. And now here's your genial quiz master, I.J. the Metal Fox. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. May I introduce my assistant, Mr. Jonathan Stanton in the left orchestra? Thank you, Doctor. Mr. Walter jo Jordan in the right orchestra? Thank you, Doctor. Mr. Daniel Trumbull in the rear orchestra? Mr. Daniel Trumbull in the rear orchestra. <laughs> Mr. Trumbull, you should be in the orchestra. I know, Doctor, but a lady has me in the balcony. In that case, I'll leave you alone. <laughs> Thank you, Doctor. Enjoy. Now may we have our first contestant, Mr. Jonathan Stanton in the left orchestra. I have a lady, Doctor. Twenty silver dollars for that lady if she can uh, answer this musical question. In the second movement of Beethoven's Sonata in A minor for piano and viola, what was the first note on the third page? Would you repeat the question? Absolutely no. Would you at least give me a hint? Very well. When you're at the seashore, what is it that you see? Uh, uh, C! The first note on the third page is C. Oh, I'm sorry, but I think you'll find the first note is F sharp. But you gave me a hint. You kept saying C, sure. That was a hint for you to go to the seashore. You look pale. <laughs> but a box of tartar's gum to that young lady. Mr. Trumbull in the left orchestra. I have another lady, Doctor. Twelve silver dollars to that lady if she can answer this question. What two presidents had the same name? Roosevelt. Oh, I'm sorry, but I asked you for two presidents, and you gave me only one. Oh, well, I mean Theodore and Franklin. Oh, I'm sorry, but Theodore and Franklin are not the same name, but a box of delicious tartar gum to that lady. <laughs> and now, 32 silver dollars to any gentleman if he can give me the last name of this famous poem. Uh, no coaching, please. <laughs> Ready? Here's the poem. Given Ogun Zeman Gui, Dak Boom Zeman Zoom Boy. Blank, 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 blank. No Th coaching, please. This is just a guess. Uh -huh. But was it Zu Vizen and Gai Gazunt? Well, how did you know that poem? My grandmother told me. I said no coaching, not even your grandmother. I have another contestant, Doctor. Oh, I'm sorry. I have no more silver dollars to offer. Oh, come on, Doc. I'll take anything. Uh, uh, old clothes, burnt-out bulbs, and nifty magazines, anything. Well, I have a right-wrong category. I'll give you a statement, and you tell me whether it's right or wrong. Ready? Right. Wrong. <laughs> Next question. The name of the man who invented the airplane was right, right? Wrong. Wrong. It was right. But, but, but right or wrong, the past tense of ring is wrong. Wrong. No, it's rang. You're wrong. This is a swindle. Right or wrong, the opposite of right is wrong. Right. Oh, I'm sorry, but if you look that up, I'm sure you'll find we're both wrong. But a box of Tartar's gum to that lady, and good night.
Do you remember the Jack Pearl Show? It was one of the popular comedy variety shows of the early radio days. Jack Pearl was known as Baron Munchausen, and his great straight man was the incomparable Charlie. Hello, Baron. Oh, it's so good to see you. Charlie, Charlie, my friend. <laughs> Where have you been lately? Charlie, I was all over the world. Is that so? I was, let me see, I was in Africa. Africa? And then I was in London, Paris, Rome. I was in Rome, then I went to Venice. And after that, I no, went no, no, to... No, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. Venice. Yeah, I, 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 I was in Venice. No, Venice. Then, then... Last month. Ben, 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 I call you Ben. Baron, Baron, wait a minute. Mm. Tell me, did you see the gondolas while you were there? <laughs> I called on them, but they wasn't home. <laughs> no, 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 they I, wasn't there. I tell they you, you're what, the same what, what, old Baron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, let's get back to Africa. All right, yeah, Did you yeah. run across any wild animals? Oh, did I run across them, Charlie? I ran across a bunch of hypnopodipitabuses. Uh, well, wait, wait, wait a minute. Would you say that again? Hypnopodipitabuses. No, 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 no. Hypnopotamus. Well, as I was going to catch one of these... Uh, Hypnopotamus. Uh, yeah, what you said. And then I ran over an old boy. You see, he was oh, an wait, old well, boy. What in the world is an old boy? Oh, that's a big bird. It's a big bird what eats nothing but garlic, onions, Limburger seeds. Then it flies by you. Oh, boy. Uh, I, uh, I suppose this bird is now extinct. Uh, yeah. I, I said, I suppose this bird is now extinct. <laughs> Always did. You see... Don't you think it's about time you stopped these adventures and settled down? Yeah, yeah, well, I did, Charlie. I did settle down. Just where, se where? On my farm. I didn't know you had a farm. Oh, let me give you an idea how big my farm is. My nephew, Gustav, went out to milk the cows on the other side of the farm. That's when he was uh, 12 years old. 12 years old? Yeah, yeah. And when he came back, he had a wife and three children. <laughs> Who taught you to be a farmer? My cousin, Hugo. But I thought your cousin Hugo was a musician. He was, he was. He has over 200 violins in that wait house. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I hate to keep correcting you, but it's not violins, it's violins. Vi, vi. Because he likes them. That's why he had 200 violins uh, and who, who got 20 hobos. Oboes. Bombs he's got in that band. Oh, no, Baron. That's unbelievable. That's preposterous. <laughs> Was you there, Charlie? It's time for Duffy's Tavern, starring Peter Leeds as Archie, the manager, and Sandra Gould in her original role as Miss Duffy. Hello, Duffy's Tavern, where the elite meet to eat. Archie, the manager, speaking. Oh, oh, Duffy ain't here. Oh, it's you. Hello, Duffy. Oh, Duffy, here comes your poultry tool and this daughter. I'll call you back. Gee, Archie, you're getting so educated using such big words about me. Oh, ain't nothing. The word fits the shape. Gee, thanks. By the way, did you see my Dostoevsky? Uh, you what? 
My Dostoevsky. Uh, is it animal, mineral, or vegetable? <laughs> Archie, you're getting illiterate again. It's a book. Who wrote it? I don't know. Some Russian writer. I know that same fellow who wrote Sex is the Mother of Invention. Archie, talking like that is not couth. Anyway, I think his name was Sigmund Freud. So how come if I'm not couth, you're the one who remembers that provert's name? <laughs> I remember everybody's name. I guess you never heard of Shakespeare's books. Oh, that's phony. He never even wrote them. Who did? Sir Francis Bacon. He wrote every word that Shakespeare ever wrote. You mean to stand there and say that the greatest writer that ever wrote didn't? Yes, he was nothing but a plagiarizer. Archie, how can you say such a thing about a man who is too dead to defend himself? Well, dig him up and I'll say it to his face. Now, wait a minute. Did yours write, Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou, Romeo? Deny thy father and refuse thy name. Or, if thou will not, be but sworn, my love, and I'll no longer be a Capulet. Boy, that Juliet was a mean broad. <laughs> Imagine saying that about Romeo's folks. That's poetry, Archie. Wow. Those poets are even better, more degenerate than those Sigmund Freud's. Well, Archie, is that the same Shakespeare as yours? I don't know if mine would talk so dirty. Well, what was the first name of yours? William. Yeah, yeah, that's him, all right. Of course, William Randolph, Shakespeare the Bard of Stratford Avenue. Besides, when you talk about well-known people like Shakespeare, you don't have to mention first names. Everybody knows who you mean. I beg to differ with you. Oh, in what respect? How about Washington? Miss Duffy, if I went up to a strange man and said Washington, I'm sure the guy would know that I meant George. Not if he was selling train tickets. <laughs> if I was buying train tickets, I would say Washington, D.C. Well, then why didn't you say Shakespeare, D.C.? Because I ain't going to Shakespeare, D.C. Oh, I don't know why I stand here and talk to you. You don't illuminate my mind. You neither. Likewise, I'm sure. By the way, Miss Duffy, the fleet's in. So why don't you go and illuminate your mind with them? Don't worry, I will. They understand someone who is illuminated and amphibious at the same time. I knew the Navy was good for something. <laughs> The Adventures of the Thin Man. For many years, The Thin Man was a popular motion picture series, finally switching to radio with the same happy results. The radio program went on the air and lasted for a total of nine seasons. The original star of that show was Les Tremaine, and he joins us now as he recreates his famous role as Nick Charles, the Thin Man. Nora will be played by Elvia Allman. Well, it's a little after midnight, and Nick and Nora have just returned home after an exciting evening as they've just wrapped up their latest murder case. As usual, we find them in the bedroom. 
Nicky, darling, I never thought we'd solve that murder. Well, if those two thugs with the 45s hadn't told us they did it, we probably wouldn't have. Oh, come here, Nora, dear. Mm -hmm. Good night, Nicky, darling. Good night, Nora, dear. <laughs> Well, 40 years have passed, and we no longer find Nick and Nora in the bedroom. As a matter of fact, they sleep alone now. About the only time they see each other is at breakfast, and that's only to check their cholesterol count. Now breakfast is over, and Nick is outside fixing his beloved car. Wait a minute, Nora. Come Wait. out from under that car. I want to talk to you. What is it, Nora? I'm really very busy. Oh, where's Astor Jr.? I haven't seen him all morning. I think he ran off. Oh, well, he, he didn't run off. He's under the car with me. How can you say a thing like that? No, no, he's right here. Well, here he stop using Astor Jr. for a grease rag. No, no, no. How long are you going to be working on that pile of junk? Huh? What Nick? do you mean, pile of junk? Nick. Here he is right here. Nick, that black dog isn't ours. Astor Jr. has a pretty gray coat. Well, that's him. I've been petting him. You haven't been petting him. You've been wiping your hands on him. Hmm? Oh, well, okay. I've been wiping my hands on him. I, I couldn't find a rag. Oh, you should be ashamed of yourself. Look at that poor thing. He looks like he fell in a tar pit. Well, he had no business coming around here while I was draining the oil. Uh, put him in the washing machine. You insane man. I really believe you want to do away with him. Oh, how can you say a thing like that? Now, you stop using Astor Jr. for a grease rag. How long are you going to be working on that pile of junk? Till I get it fixed. Well, go on and fix it and stop waving that oil can around. Mm -hmm. It's pouring all over the seat. Wipe it up, Nick. Okay, hand me the dog. <laughs> Here, use this rag. Oh, how much longer are you going to be? No, I I'm almost through. Grab hold of that wire, will you, Nora? This one? Yeah. You feel anything? No, why? I just wanted to see if it was connected to the battery. <laughs> Nick Charles! Oh, come on, take it easy, Nora. The battery is dead anyway. I gotta get it recharged. Oh, don't you think you squandered enough money on this car? If you didn't throw money away on all these fancy accessories, maybe we could afford a decent car. Well, there's nothing wrong with this car. Anybody will tell you that an Edsel lasts forever. <laughs> then why do you fool around with it so much? If you take my advice, you'll trade this thing in. I'll never get rid of my darling car. I'm not making any trades. Unless I can get a good deal. Well, Nick, now you know you're not a good businessman. I'll bet my brother-in-law Lester could make a good deal for you. Lester? Lester is a shrewd businessman. He can get things from people. He got plenty from me, all right. <laughs> oh, I wish you were more like him. Lester makes good everywhere he goes. Even when he's in the army, he worked himself up to a field marshal. He worked himself up to a buck private. <laughs> How can you say things like that? You know very well we got word that they made him a field marshal. He was a private. And he was court marshal, not field marshal. Oh, stop shouting. The neighbors are looking. Nick. Are you ever going to give me a driving lesson? Well, not today, Nora. I've got to go downtown and get some more parts for my car. Never mind that. I know what you're thinking. What am I thinking? You're thinking of Murphy's Bar and Grill. 
And I'm not letting you go near that saloon again. I never go near Murphy's Bar and Grill. Why must you always accuse me of being preoccupied with drinking? Oh, forget it. Have you got gas in the car? Yes, I put a fifth in yesterday. <laughs> I mean, five gallons. Please forgive me. Oh, forget it. Oh, I guess I don't deserve you. I give you nothing but trouble. Oh, don't talk like that. Why don't you punish me, Nick? Get rid of me. Other men do it. Well, I read once where a Russian farmer traded his wife for an old cow. Would you do that, Nick? Do what? Trade me for an old cow. No. But I'd hate anyone to offer me a brand new Cadillac. <laughs> Meet Corliss Archer was based on F. Hugh Herbert's stage play, Kiss and Tell. It came to us during the halcyon days of radio and continued in the top spot for a dozen years. Here is Shirley Mitchell in her role as we meet Corliss Archer. Corliss, could I talk to you for one little minute? I have a big problem, and it's got me super mixed up, and I don't know how to deal with it, and I'm confused. I don't know how to say it. Oh, Dexter, you can say anything to me. What is it, Dexter? Gee, Corliss, you're the most understanding girl a guy ever knew. Oh, come on. Come on, Dexter. You can confide in me. What can I do for you? Oh, uh, there's a lot you can do for me. <laughs> oh, Dexter, what is it? Uh, well, you see... Um, yes, Dexter? Uh, well, you see, it's this way. Well, which way, Dexter? Well, you see, I've just joined the Monument Masters of America. Oh, it sounds impressive. What do they do? Well, they can serve monuments of historical figures all over the country, like Mount Rushmore, where the figures of Washington, Jefferson, Lincoln, and Theodore Roosevelt are sculptured in granite. And you want me to be next? Dexter Franklin, how could you? That's the meanest thing I've ever heard. I'm too young to be put in granite. Oh, Corliss, I'm not asking you to do that. I just want you to go to the initiation dance with me. For the Monument Masters of America? Yeah. Oh, Dexter, I'm very flattered that you asked me. Oh, gee, Corliss, nobody makes me feel like you do. How is that? Like I tingle all over. Oh, Dexter, you make me feel so good. Do you know what I think, Corliss? No. Yes. I mean what? I think my glands are growing up. Oh, dear. Maybe you ought to discuss this with Washington, Jefferson, Lincoln, and Theodore Roosevelt. Do they have glands like mine? Well, I guess Washington wasn't called the father of his country for nothing. <laughs> Did you know, ladies and gentlemen, when Peter, Sandy, Shirley, Frank, and I were actors in early radio, we sometimes had to double three parts? 
That meant we each had to play three distinctly different voices. Oh, not me. I was Little Beaver, and all I said was, you betcha, Red Rider, three different ways. Oh, Frank, I heard you say, follow that horse. Yeah, but I still said it the same way. <laughs> and remember, later on, when the soap operas came into vogue, we found a whole new audience. Uh, Les, weren't you the original leading man on the romance of Helen Trent? That's right, Grant Douglas. And there were a few others, like Big Sister, Betty and Bob, and Life Can Be Beautiful. Say, you know what? I have an idea. Why don't we show the audience what a radio soap opera might have been like during those days? Yesterday, when we left Search for Happiness, Nikki had made a very important decision. One that would alter her life decisively, she thought. And Ashley was disappointed again in her search for the past. And now, today's episode of Search for Happiness. Oh, Mother. Mother, I'm so glad you're home from Sri Lanka. <laughs> Any news about Floyd Stacy? No news, Jada. Oh, dear. To think I've dedicated half my life to finding him. Karachi, Kathmandu, Kurdistan, Kuala Lumpur. But though I've looked at thousands of faces, they're all faceless people to me. But, Mother, after he fell off the oil rig and was burned, he had facial reconstruction done. Maybe that's the reason you don't recognize him. Oh, don't be silly, daughter. I'd recognize your father any place. Oh, well, I'm so sorry. I did want him to be at the wedding. Your wedding, dear? When is it? Tomorrow. Tomorrow? Oh, dear, I don't have anything to wear. Oh, don't worry. The couturier is coming to make you a new dress in half an hour. Oh, how thoughtful, dear. Oh, it's nothing. Oh, I have so much making up to do. When I eloped with Crane when I was 14 and gave you your first grandchild at 14, I knew you'd never forgive me, but you did. And then when dear little Robin fell in the swimming pool and was drowned, I too went off the deep end when I found out that I wasn't really married to Crane after all. And then I ran off with Stanislav and lived on octopus in that dreary Greek island. Yes, dear, that was a dream. Dreary thing to do. Oh, but you were so understanding when I came back and started writing to Eric, who was in prison after he murdered his stepfather with a hockey puck. You know, I really felt badly about that. Yes. Eric's stepfather was the best backgammon partner I ever had. But then, when Eric married Lulu, who told me at school she was a lesbian. Well, the shock was so great that I ran away from Bryn Mawr and went to Stuttgart and danced in that degenerate bar. <laughs> yes, daughter. That was so declassé. Oh, but now, Mummy dearest, I've grown up. I'm 19 now and a woman of consequence. Oh, dear, your father would be so proud of you. Oh, yes, and now I'm marrying Denton Somerville. <gasps> Denton Somerville? Did you say Denton Somerville? Of the Somervilles of Latouse Bay? The same. Oh, my God. Well, you act surprised, Mommy dearest. Oh, well, I didn't want to tell you this, but now I have to. What? Denton Somerville is your half-brother. <laughs> oh, my God. I shan't ever be able to have children. Now, how did this come about, Mummy dearest? Well, when I was 14, I was at Latouse Bay for the summer as a junior nanny 
for the Reginald Lafitte family. And I met Travis Somerville, who was the most handsome boy in his white-on-white suit. So I succumbed. Oh. And then came Denton. Naturally, the family made me give him up. For a long time, I had Ritza, the nurse, send me his report card. But then, Ritza married King Tuppa of Moncrief and was disposed to Upper Monrovia and was never heard from again. Well, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I say, a Mr. Denton Semerville has arrived. He says he's marrying Miss Nicky tomorrow, but I've never seen him before, so I told him to go around the back end. Oh, but Jameson, you, you can't do that to Denton Somerville. Well, what would the folks at Latouse Bay think? <laughs> Don't fret. Don't fret. It's for the best, Nikki. I heard that, but no one, nothing, nobody will keep me from marrying my own true love. Oh, Denton, I'm so proud of you. You rejected rejection. Oh, Nikki, I'm used to rejection. My own father wouldn't let me sit at the table and use the gold silverware. My mother rejected me at birth. I didn't reject you. I loved you. But the Somervilles and their money were too influential. And what could a 14-year-old do against a combination like that? You mean, oh my God, my mother! Son! Brother! Sister! Future son! I mean, son-in-law! I mean, I mean, I mean... Oh, oh my God! God. Tune in tomorrow to know what Jameson means and whether Ashley will let her daughter Nikki marry her half-brother Denton and whether Jameson the butler has been Ashley's secret lover these many years since her husband Floyd Stacy disappeared in the jungles of Malaysia on Search for Happiness. Lipton Tea and Lipton Soups presents Inner Sanctum Mysteries. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. This is Raymond, your host, to welcome you in through the squeaking door for another terrifying tale of horror. Come in. Won't you sit down? I hope you'll forgive me if I don't get up, but I'm terribly tired. I spent last night with a friend who's a book collector, specializes in bestsellers. He certainly showed me some interesting ones. In fact, he tried to bury me in one because all the very bestsellers have corpses in them. <laughs> <laughs> of course they do. And now, our inner sanctum mystery for tonight. We find John and Marcia seated together in the living room of their palatial mansion in upstate New York. Marcia speaks. John. Marcia. John. Marsha. 
Tune in next week for Inner Sanctum Mysteries. Brought to you by Exlex, America's fastest moving product. One of the great stars of Broadway in the Ziegfeld Follies was Fanny Bryce. But when she went on the radio with her Baby Snooks character, she gained everlasting fame. Here's a sketch from the Baby Snooks program. Let me lie on the sand and rest for five minutes. But I gotta tell you something. Well, go on and tell me. You know my little brother, Ropespear's neck? Yes. Well, he's buried in the sand up to it. That's fine, fine. Should I cover his feet too? Aren't his feet covered? No, I stuck him in head first. Snooks, where is he? Right there, Daddy. How long has he been under there? How long have we been here? Oh, looks. He's all right, Daddy. My God, the child might have suffocated in there. Why, Daddy? Because he couldn't breathe with his head in the sand. How do you expect him to get air? I made a hole in his trunk. <laughs> Nobody can breathe through their trunks. Elephants can. Snooks, Snooks, whatever possessed you to strip the child and stick him in the sand head first? Mommy said not to get his face sunburned. Never mind. Never mind. Get me his bathing suit. Here, Daddy. Oh, now the suit's ruined. We'll have to buy him another one. Let me buy it, Daddy. I haven't got any money with me, Snooks. You don't? Well, that fellow at the beach stand, he knows me. Just say that you want a little boy's swimming suit, salmon-colored, with a zipper on the side. All right. And have a charge to me. Just tell him who I am, and it'll be all right. Now, can you remember all that? Uh-huh. Now, what are you going to say? I want a little color for a salmon boy with a zipper on the side. No, no, no. A little boy's swimming suit with a zipper on the side, salmon colored. Now, repeat that after me. I want a little boy's salmon with a picture swimming inside. Can, can I tell you something? What? Never mind. You get it, Daddy. I don't want to go swimming anymore. No, 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 no. Snooks, 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 snooks. I want to go swimming. You just had a tremendous lunch, and it's not good for you to swim on a full stomach. Then can I swim on my back? You can't swim at all. Why, Daddy? Because I won't let you go in the water without me. The waves are very high, and I don't want you to get washed away. Why don't you want me to get washed away? I've been asking myself that for years. Can I make sand pies? Yes, yes. What kind? Any kind? Any kind, any kind. Round pies? Yes, round pies. I don't like round pies. I do. Then I can throw one in your face.
Over the years, our Christmas programs have presented most of the top stars in the entertainment world. And our 10th anniversary show was no exception. That two-hour Christmas extravaganza featured a dozen radio sketches and presented holiday music by a performer, although no longer with us, is remembered for his many Christmas songs, Bing Crosby. The announcer on Bing's broadcast for many years was Ken Carpenter. And Ken joined me on my program as we talked and kidded about Bing. This recording will always have a warm place in my heart and I hope it will bring back some happy memories of Christmas. Well, Ken, that just about does it for our Christmas Eve show for this year. Uh, you're right, Frank, but I, I think we've left a couple of things out. What's that, Ken? Well, there's a few Christmas songs that haven't been included. Ken, you know I'm not a singer. <laughs> I'm glad you said that, Frank. Let's leave the singing to Bing. I'm glad you said that. And Frank, I know that Bing is glad we both agree. Well, Bing, it's time to hear from you again. I've been away. Well, not exactly, but it's time for another carol, isn't it? Oh, it's always time for another carol. Here's a carol for the whole family. Everybody now, Norman Luboff, Paul Weston, and you singers out there, it's joy to the world. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare him room And heaven and nature sing And heaven and nature sing And heaven and heaven and nature sing All right, everybody now in the family key, please. Magnificent, Bing. It was nice, yes, Ken. Well, we're getting along now towards the end of our Christmas sing. The trees are trimmed. The presents are wrapped. I guess Mom and Dad are checking off the last second things that have to be done before the big morning arrives. And so with Santa on his way, silence settling down on the land, I, I don't think there's really much more we can add. So now would you join me now, everybody, in this best-known of all Christmas songs? Silent night, holy night, shepherds quake at the sight, glory streaming from heaven Christ the 
Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas to you all, and good night. The story you are about to hear is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. My name is Friday. I'm a cop. I was working the day watch out of robbery when I got a call from the Acme School Bell Company. There'd been a robbery. There's been a robbery? Uh, yes, sir. What was it? How's that? What was stolen, sir? I run a school bell company. Never had any trouble before. Can't understand it. Just make bells. Never had any trouble. Sir, mm -hmm. what was stolen? My clappers. Your clappers? Yeah, those things inside a bell that make them clang. The clangers. That's right, but we call them clappers in the business. The clapper caper. What's that? Nothing, sir. Now can I have the facts? What kind of clappers were stolen on this caper? They were copper clappers. <laughs> and where were they kept? In the closet. Uh -huh. You have any ideas who might have taken the copper clappers from the closet? Well, just one. When I fired a man, he swore he'd get even. What was his name? Claude Cooper. You think... Yeah, yeah, that's right. I think Claude Cooper copped my copper clappers. You know where this Claude Cooper is from? Yeah, Cleveland. That figures. What makes it worse, they were clean. Clean copper clappers. That's right. Why do you think that Cleveland's Claude Cooper would cop your clean copper clappers kept in your closet? Only one reason. What's that? He's a kleptomaniac. Who first discovered the copper clappers were copped? My cleaning woman, Clara Clifford. That figures. Now, let me see if I got the facts straight here. Cleaning woman, Clara Clifford, discovered your clean copper clappers kept in the closet were copped by Claude Cooper, the kleptomaniac from Cleveland. Now, is that about it? Mm -hmm. One other thing. What's that? If I ever catch kleptomaniac Claude Cooper from Cleveland who copped my clean copper clappers that were left in my closet... Yes? I'll clobber him. <laughs> this is Frank Brzee again, and thanks for these memories. I also want to add my personal thanks to the wonderful performers who made this program possible. They join me in wishing all of you a Merry Christmas from the Armed Forces Radio Networks around the world. During this year, we've all enjoyed a better existence, and it's the United States Service personnel who have made it happen for us and for the less fortunate nations of the world. Men and women, black, white, and brown, have stood together on the field of battle in order that all 250 million of us may stand together at home with our families and our loved ones. Never again should we make peace just a short interval between wars. With our strength and with the help of God, we can all make this quiet freedom everlasting. It's been a pleasure to share this Christmas of 1991. May this coming year bring you all the success and happiness you deserve and may each one of us be granted the wisdom to share a world of peace, hope, and love. Merry Christmas, everyone, and good night.
This 25th anniversary Golden Days of Christmas originated live from the Magic Castle Theater in Hollywood, California. Our stars included Elvia Allman, Del Charbot, John Milton Kennedy, Sandra Gould, Peter Leeds, Sidney Miller, Les Tremaine, Shirley Mitchell, and our big band vocalist, Lena Romai. Our piano accompaniment was provided by Herm Saunders. Sound effects by Ray Erlenborn, with engineering by Marty Halperin and Don King. Special material by Sandra Gould, with additional script by John Jensen, who also directed. Special thanks to the American Federation of Radio and Television Artists and the Pacific Pioneer Broadcasters. Commercial references on this program were for entertainment and are not endorsed by the Department of Defense. The Golden Days of Christmas is a copyrighted program. This is your announcer, Art Gilmore, speaking for the Armed Forces Radio and Television Service. This is Jerry Fry, Director of Programming for the Armed Forces Radio and Television Service Worldwide Network. In January of 1967, Frank Brzee brought his Golden Days of Radio program to the Armed Forces Radio, where it has entertained millions of U.S. Department of Defense personnel and their families around the world for over two decades. AFRTS listeners have heard most of the top stars of radio, including Bob Hope, George Burns, Red Skelton, and Milton Berle, plus mysteries such as The Shadow, The Whistler, and Suspense. Today, the golden days of radio begins its 25th year, thus becoming one of the longest-running shows ever on AFRTS. Not many programs achieve the longevity of a quarter of a century. On behalf of the Armed Forces Radio and Television Service, I'd like to pay tribute to Frank Brzee and his Golden Days of Radio program for this milestone in radio history. Continued good listening on the Golden Days of Radio. <laughs>